Hi everyone, welcome to the Putting Words to It podcast. Today we're continuing our Love Is series and we're talking about humility. Love is humble. Philippians 1.27 says, Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. And Paul was calling the church to a place of unity. And I believe that he's calling us to a place of unity. But in order to be in unity, we have to walk in humility. So today I believe that unity is important because we need each other. Simply, we need each other. We cannot do this life alone. We need to be connected to other people for emotional and mental well-being. I think COVID showed us that. Some of us thought that being alone would be a good thing, but we quickly found out that it only created loneliness and anxiety, something I don't think we really anticipated. We have to be in unity or should be in unity for our purpose. Paul was calling the church, us, to unity because he knew that we needed each other to walk out what God has in store for us. Paul was saying, life as a believer is going to be hard. And the only way you're going to get through it is to be in unity. Unity with your heavenly father and unity with somebody of like faith. Also, we need to be in unity because simply we're stronger together. It's a basic numbers game, (laughs) y'all. When you need to move a heavy piece of furniture, do you call someone to help? Yeah, you do, because you know you can't do it by yourself. We need each other to be able to do the heavy lifting of life sometimes. If Paul is calling us to unity, then how do we actually walk it out? Well, that's where humility comes in. We're going to need to be able to function in humility to be able to be in unity. And honestly, I had a misunderstanding, a misconception of humility and what it was. I thought and felt like humility meant weakness, but that is so far from the truth. Humility actually requires great strength. How many of you know that it's hard to keep your mouth shut sometimes? That it takes great strength to be humble in a moment and keep your mouth shut when you really just want to communicate your thoughts. But there's power in keeping your mouth shut sometimes. One of the tools of the art of negotiating is that when there's a stalemate, the first person to speak loses the negotiation. It's just been proven. The one that holds his position and secret and in silence gains the advantage. There is power in humility. Humility is freedom from pride. Pride is weakness. It's weird in that it sometimes makes us feel stronger, but in actuality, it's just a fake sense of strength. We walk away from it feeling empty and ashamed. It just stirs up other junk that's fumbling around in our hearts like envy, jealousy, anger. 
pride prevents unity because we're only looking at others in order to elevate ourselves. Our focus is still fully and completely on ourselves. Pride was the very first sin. Satan tried to prove himself equal with God. Pride brought division then, and it's still bringing division today. Pride is what killed Jesus. The Pharisees and Jewish leaders hated Jesus because he threatened their way of doing things. And Pilate, he held too closely to his way of life to take a stand for Jesus. The Roman soldiers gladly tortured him and then easily nailed his hands and feet to the cross because it made them feel powerful and in control. But in actuality, who was the strongest one in that situation? Jesus. Matthew 27, 14 says, But he gave no answer, not a single charge, so that the governor, talking about Pilate, was greatly amazed. Jesus kept his mouth shut. He humbled himself. He didn't have to suffer. He chose to because he loves us. And that is great strength. If we as believers, if we believe that Jesus was real, a real man and a real God, then we have to accept him as our model. And he modeled humility even unto the cross. We cannot dilute his sacrifice. We cannot minimize it. It is in really looking at his sacrifice that we can see and receive the comfort in our own. See, if we diminish his sacrifice, then we diminish the reward for hours. Jesus humbled himself to become a man and then humbled himself to be brutally murdered. On the cross, if he had not been operating in humility, he would not have been able to speak to the thief and promise the reward of being comforted by him that very same day in paradise. This was his final act of love and compassion, humility as a human being, But see, we diminish his sacrifice because we see him as God in that moment. Saying, of course he's God. Of course he could do that. But maybe somehow we have convinced ourselves that if he was fully man, he wouldn't have been able to do that. He must have uh, flipped that switch and become God in that moment. Because if he was human like you and me, then can't we see that the the great potential that he would have caved in, that he would have at least been talking back to them as they tortured him and mocked him, that he would have been angry at the injustice? Because that's what we see ourselves doing in that moment. We project our feelings onto him. I want you to pause And I want you to answer the question for yourself. Who is Jesus to you? This is an important question to ask for many reasons. But in this instance, it's going to help us get a better understanding of the true meaning and value of humility. It is very difficult 
for us to reconcile the idea of God in the flesh. But John addressed this right off the bat in his writings of 1 John 1, 1. And he's saying, we, talking about the disciples, are writing to you about something which has always existed, yet which we ourselves actually saw and heard, something which we had an opportunity to observe closely and even hold in our hands, and yet, as we know now, was something of the very word of life himself. Man, I love that verse. John is saying, Jesus was God and human, and I had firsthand experience with him. Do you have trouble believing that God was really flesh and that he chose to truly suffer like we do? He didn't just suffer on the cross. He suffered all of his life as a man. We may believe that he was a real man, but it's hard to comprehend that he experienced humanity the same way that we do. But he did. I want you to read Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. That'll help you get a better understanding of that. But Jesus was like us in every respect, physically driven, psychologically motivated, and spiritually tempted. In him, we can see ourselves. Jesus can be and is sympathetic to your situation. He can relate because he suffered in the very same way. You are not suffering anything that he did not suffer. And he is not a far off God who is looking down on you, just waiting for an opportunity to punish you. He actually delights in you and wants to see you succeed. Jesus wants us to make room for him in our lives, meaning he wants us to seek him first. He wants us to be willing to lay down our lives, our wills, our desires, our dreams for him. Because he understands that only when we seek first the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things, will we, will we be fully, wholly, completely satisfied. Only when we humble ourselves before the Lord can he move in our lives. Only when we make him first can he release all that he has in store for us. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you, meaning he will fulfill all of our needs. We will not be left wanting. How? How do we seek him first above everything? Well, remember, Jesus is supposed to be our model. And Jesus did nothing apart from what his father told him. John, uh, John 5, 19 says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. John five thirty. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
He had to make a choice to seek God and do it God's way because Jesus wrestled with the flesh too. Jesus is our model and he chose to wrestle with the flesh. He chose to not give in to it. He chose God's way always, every time. That's how you walk in humility. Hebrews 5, 8 says, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus understood that when he submitted, when he humbled himself and did it God's way, then and only then could he have victory over the flesh. Jesus knew that he could not trust his natural. He understood that they would lead him astray, lead him off course of what the Father wanted. He knew that there was a plan in play and that his part was important. And if he veered off of that in the teeniest bit, that the plan would not play out. It was critical that he seek God first in everything. Lives stood in the balance. Eternity with God was at risk. The truth is, if Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered, then so can we. What that means is we are going to suffer, unfortunately. But how we handle it is what makes the difference. Are we going to humble ourselves and seek God? Because that's what Jesus did. He kept his eyes on his father, not his circumstance. And we can do the same thing. What are some of the obstacles, though, that maybe we're facing? Obstacles to humility. I think one of them is being hyper-focused on, on others. Sometimes it's just easier to put more focus on others than ourselves because it's just too painful. It's too painful to look at and then allow God to work on it. But in doing that, we're prohibiting Jesus from coming in to that situation and helping. We know maybe that we're lacking something, but we're afraid to work on it. And that's why we hyper-focus on others. But I want to challenge you today. Allow the Lord to work on that. Allow Him access to it. The end result is so worth it. Another obstacle, we've kind of already touched on it, is pride. Humility is freedom from pride because it moves us out of the way. Unfortunately, there have been more times than I want to even count in my life when God's called me to do something hard. But my response has been, Lord, I'll do it, but you just better know that I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I'll do it, but I'm going to do it kicking and screaming the whole way. In my heart, I'm like, I love you just enough to do that hard thing, but I don't love you enough to have a good attitude about it. I'm going to hold on to that. That one's mine. You can make me do it, but you can't make me like it. But guess what? That was not humility. It was just plain old pride. Because I was doing the hard thing, but I was doing it with doing it with a rebellious heart. There is reward for humility, but when you do it that way, you rob yourself of the reward. 
You're doing the hard thing and you're costing yourself the reward. Lose-lose situation here. It's pride because it takes the focus off of him and keeps it on you. But let me tell you, you're only kidding yourself to think that you're still in control of that situation, which is another obstacle, control. Our humility is meant to put the attention on him and direct it away from us. It allows him control. And when we, when we allow him control, he promises to fight our battles for us. Exodus 14, 14 says, The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. 2 Chronicles 20, 17 says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Y'all, give him control. Let him fight for you because he can do it way better than you can. I think the last obstacle, maybe not the last obstacle, but another obstacle is trust. Some of us are so used to being on guard and not trusting people. We are weary of people letting us down. And it's hard to believe and trust that God won't do the same. I mean, let's just be honest. It's hard to trust God because we don't trust people. But should we be looking at God the way that we look at people? Should we be judging him based on the actions of people? Or should we be looking at him through a different lens? Isn't he different from everyone else? Isn't he the only creator of the universe, the lover of our souls? Didn't he know us before we were formed in the womb? Isn't he different? What God has to offer us is way better and a whole lot different than anything we've ever experienced before. He is a safe space. We can hide in the shadow of his wings. He promises to guard and protect us. He promises to fight our battles for us. He is a trustworthy God. Today, I want to encourage you. There is hope. We can learn to trust God. We can learn to be humble. Philippians 2, 13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. We are not meant to try to do any of this alone. God can and will do it through us if we allow him, if we humble ourselves and make room for him. Just as Jesus had to learn obedience in his suffering, according to Hebrews 5.8, so can we. He was our model. He showed us how. Because he loves us, and because love is humble. Thank you for listening today. I hope that you were encouraged. For more, go to my website, amandaparker.net. Scroll to the bottom and subscribe.